Pop Lock Podcast. That's us. Episode number 76. You got a lot of qualifiers in there, dude. With a special guest, my man. We've been wanting this guy for a minute, and we've I finally reached out to him, and he was like, yeah, dude. Should have hit me up a long time ago. Fuck well, it. All right. I've been asking Steve. You don't even, like, this has been my Christmas wish list since we started this. Like, bro, we need to get lightning in here. Dude, you're setting me up for failure right now. There's no way I can be this good. Everybody, lightning. Jay hey. Tillis, what is up? Oh, thank you. Very kind. Very kind. I appreciate that. Um, all right, we'll see you guys later. That was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're done. That, that was it. Thank you. On a Monday night, we're sober. Nah, Jay, um, shit. You took K-Rock from... I don't even know what number they started at before uh, you became the producer. Like I joined 15? it at uh, we were twenty second in the ratings. Twenty second, yeah. Twenty second out of how many? How many stations are there? There's like thirty. <laughs> <laughs> hey, though, he took him to number one. Yeah. With work ethic, I mean, this guy doesn't stop working, dude. Back in the time, back in the day when I, he he's there at five, and I'm leaving and shit, and he's there till like eight, seven o'clock at night, man. And that's what took K Rock to number sure. one. Yeah. A lot, so, of, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, hell yeah, yeah. dude. You, I mean, uh, knowing you and just, like, the work work ethic, you were dude, you had your hand in everything that was going on in that morning show, whether it was helping me out with my bits for, for the whole enchilada, uh, whether you were cutting shit for the next day, whether you were looking up um, what's hot, what's not. I remember you would you would hit the guys up, like, Eleven o'clock at night. Oh, this shit's hot right now, dude. We have to talk about this tomorrow. Johnny, sure. can you tell I paid him off fifty bucks? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm just being real. Like, you know, yeah. what I'm saying you have to really understand and know what what it takes to be number one, and sure. that's what it takes. Sometimes sacrificing more than you even realize that you're sacrificing. Um, and and yeah, dude, that's how you fucking became yeah. number one. Dude. We've had a lot of stories, but why does my mic sound so weeny? You know, but you've been you've had the my, voice all, all your life. On bro. my rider, I said I only talk. Uh, I only speak into RE20s. And what is this thing right here? You got a yeah. Sennheiser. We're talking. Um, you know, more, I'm more so tech, sorry. More tech yeah, more tech talk. Yeah, these guys damn, are. These, let me tell you, before we start, these fucking nerds are back here tech talking about Mario. Set I'm not kosher with this compression in your limiter. It's, it's no, you're squashing us too, too much. Too much. I don't know no, any of these words. Mean. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know what a limiter is. So like. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stories. What do you guys want to start? I well, mean, you know what? I've always wanted to know, like, this is this is the one thing. When I was going to radio school, it was always hard to try to figure out what your name's going to be. Oh, sure. and then the guy would always be, oh, you need two first names. You know, Jack John Michael. No, the guy, the people that make up their own names, are that's BS. You no, no, can, for you're sure. never supposed to make up your own name. It has to be given to you. All the names at K-Rock were all handed out. And most of them were like guys weren't cool with them at first. Some were. That's the best kind of nickname. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I, is when I, you're mad about it at first, like, man, I don't want to be called that. And, and my name like changed it. a couple times because guys were screwing with me so much. You know. Well, here's the yeah. thing with me. When I you hit us up, I was going to Boiler Room with Chuck 
to go work. We had met, you know, years before. Like, do I you listeners know who Chuck is? Yeah, yeah we, okay. we, we've talked about him a couple of times. Or viewers, I guess. Hi, everyone. A little yeah. bit of viewers, <laughs> listeners. And so what I, what I remember is you're like, hey, we're going to interview you tomorrow for the job. Come in at fucking 5 a.m., blah, blah, blah. And when he opens the door to introduce me to Kevin and Bean, he says, Super Steve. I fucking never heard that name before. <laughs> that was like it. But like I tell, I tell people, it could have been stupid Steve, fat Steve, <laughs> dumb Steve, you know. But it was just like fucking, like I was like, God damn, stupid that's Steve fucking... is my favorite. nah. But like, it, it all made sense when we met. You know, we met upstairs at that boiler room office, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And uh, you guys were doing graphics and stuff yeah. for some magazine I was trying to float. I was Mister Entrepreneur for a while, and uh, and you had your hair kind of teased out a little bit. Yeah. But I remember we left there. Maybe it was the first or second meeting. It was like a Saturday, maybe, and we went somewhere to eat. And you were you were making some crazy concoction. You had pancakes and a burger. And I'm oh like, no, we were doing it... that for for Callie's best. Was it Callie's best? Yeah, it okay. Was, it was part of that magazine. Oh it yeah, was yeah, the yeah. Thing that we were doing. Yeah, we were yeah, trying yeah. to launch a magazine called Callie Johnny. Yeah. So like, this was going to be if you took like Los Angeles Magazine and then married it with like a, a, like Thrasher. Sure. So it was going to be like. On on one page, we talked to like a twenty seven year old stockbroker in West L A. And the next page is, you know, where to buy weed. You sure. know, like like it was going to be a really interest all about Southern California culture, and no one had done it. No. And so we got the name trademarked and all that stuff. And this, by the way, before everyone saw all the everyone had a Cali shirt. You know, like that was yeah. <laughs> I missed that. Like that sucked. But anyway, we were developing this little magazine. And some and Chuck had done work on mags, and Steve yeah. had done work on mags. And I found myself by our friend Rodney, who you guys interviewed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And so we're hanging out doing, doing, we're like, let's go down and get some food. You know, we're, we've been doing graphics all day and we go to this, we go to this restaurant. I was like a Denny's or something. And we thought one of our segments is going to be Cali's best, Cali's best burrito, burger, whatever pizza. Sure. And so we're in the spot like, yeah. and then Steve was going to be in charge of that segment in the magazine. And he, um, this, you get, do you play a bed under everything? I'm sorry. The music. Do you roll a bed? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's like I can't. I'm like, wow, it's a trip. I'm like, it's the longest music bed I've ever heard. <laughs> so it's like I feel like I'm on Power 106. <laughs> so anyway, so we're 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 eating, and and Steve somehow it comes up like, Steve, why don't you just mash it all together? I don't know why he did. But he's like, okay, and he, he puts we his took burger. photos. I remember taking yeah, photos. Yeah, and there was whole like thing. pancakes, burger. Fucking cheese sticks. You know, Danny's, they have this. So, you tell, so it was like the Jack in the Box late night menu? Yeah, kind of, yeah, but, yeah. He, but he made it. Yeah, but he made it. We were, we were photographing it, and he was going to go back and write about it for yeah. what? I don't know. It's, it's like, I don't know. Kelly's Best was like the best burgers, the best whatever, the best lap yeah. dance, the best whatever it was. Yeah. So during this conversation, we're getting to know each other, you know, which is what you do over, you know, grubbing up. And, and he, um, we find at some point, someone, Chuck or you said, you know, I, I, had, a, I had a fro at one point, mm-hmm. and, and it just all came to me, and it's like, you were the perfect character, you know, because we had because Kevin and Bean on K Rock LA were just two dudes from Arizona. They were just they weren't square. Well, yeah, they were like you know I feel like an old white dude square, you know. Yeah. But they were just they were, and they they needed flavor. They had previously worked with Michael, the maintenance man, who was yeah. black dude, who was the actual maintenance man um, at the building that we were in at thirty five hundred West Olive in, mm-hmm. in Burbank. And he was amazing and super colorful, but he sued him and bailed and, you know, we didn't have any Michael anymore. So we'd gone this really long period, like eight, ten years without this colorful character. And you walked into my life. And I'm like, I went into Kevin and Bean afterwards and said, I have this guy. 
I got this 300-pound Hispanic dude, and he's got an afro and a cape, and, like, he's a superhero. And they're like, why isn't he standing right here right now? Like, why why are you telling us about it? Like, this is too good to be true. Yeah. And they totally thought I was BSing. Yeah. So I called you up, and I said, you got to do whatever your hair. And you, and you, you had just cut had your just hair. Cut hair. <clears throat> he had just cut his hair. And I'm like, oh, no, like, what do we do? Get his a wig? He's like, no, I'll tease it out. So he did his best, and yeah. he made kind of a fro out of it. And it was it was still short, but it did the trick. Yeah. And he rolls in, and he's got his double S logo on his chest and the cape and the whole nine. Like, did your sister put that together? Yeah, yeah. So he rolls in, and they're like, hired. Like, <laughs> or, or, or they're like, done. Like, the next day, I went to Long Beach to look for little people. I remember I remember listening to that on the fucking radio. And it was yeah. so crazy because I, at the time, I didn't know the power of K-Rock. Yeah. And when I'm out there, cars just start coming out of nowhere like, hey, what's up, Super Day? We're fucking listening to you. And I was like, holy shit. What the fuck is going on yeah. here? You know what I mean? Yeah, you know when it gets really freaky is when cars roll by and then you hear yourself coming out of a car stereo yeah. in real time. You're yeah. like, what kind of weird walkie-talkie is this? No, it's crazy. And, uh, and so, yeah, Steve went down to... There's a spot in Long Beach over by um, the golf course. I forget what it's called, but they they made these houses like really weird proportions. So the the doors were really really tall, like insanely tall for whatever reason in this housing tract. And so you'd roll by and you'd watch people go in, you know, at at night when they're you know park their car and they walk in and they all look like Hilarious. they all look like little people yeah. because the doors are so friggin' tall. Yeah. And they're normal-sized houses, but whatever. And it just became this thing where people thought this was a little person community. And it was like this mystery. Everyone knew where this little you know, this little section of Long Beach was. and But it's like, um, I don't know. There was We sent you down there to yeah, go try was to on, find uh, a little I mean, person. I had whatever. a bullhorn, and we were doing you know all kinds of, oh, yell this out. Do this, do that. And I was like, well, whatever, hitting the bullhorn. And, and then it just, it, it, that's, but that was successful, and it spun into a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. And you were always on the street giving, yeah. giving stuff away. It just it worked. It was the it was the right you were the right person to the right job at the right time, yeah. you know. And then at some point it, it morphed into the whole enchilada, yeah. which is just you covering like current events topics, but asking people on the street, you know, yeah. kind of like no different than what Jimmy Come Alive does yeah. today, and you know Letterman did back in the day was. But our I was spin specific on it. to Latinos and to like oh, yeah. Mexican yeah. people, for sure. like gangsters. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like people that you know are gonna come off with some crazy <laughs> ass, to say some wild, shit. yeah, say some wild <laughs> ass shit, yeah. Yeah, that was dope. But man. it rang true. And it's because no, the audience at that point, you know, the audience is, you know, it was it, we had, they respected it. They they love it. it. It just sounded like L.A. Yeah. You know, no, it did. And, and the one thing I did remember, too, about that time was that I know I, I did one called uh, How to Pick Up on That and Women. And there was a lot of jokes in there. Hey, I'm a I'm a I'm a um, good babysitter, blah, 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 whatever. Sure. And then I know people were starting to call. Oh, that's fucked up. You're talking shit. And I would get on the phone with them and be like, yo, look it. On this show, we talk shit about everybody. Yeah. You think it's funny with everyone else, but as soon as it hits you, you're like, oh, and they're like, oh, you're right, you're right. Sure. And, you know? So we won everyone over, I think, in two ways. Because A, there was someone on the street and someone that was talking to them that was exactly like them. So they sort of like accepted that. And two, Kevin and Bean made fun of themselves more than anyone sure. else. So, you know, it, it was that like accepting like, oh, they talk smack on everybody and themselves. So... It's just in fun. Although we pissed off a lot of people. Oh, we no, well, you sure. got sure. Asian Americans yeah. went after us. Fat women went after us. Like, it was all these, uh, you know, all these people went after us. And, and uh, it was in that time in the 90s, you know, um, when you could do it, you know. Girls gone wild time. It was all that you know, stuff. Yeah, you you like, could definitely do it. It was corn and Limp Bizkit and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and Lake Havasu and all these things were, you know. and South There was Colorado no internet. And, 
I mean, yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, there, no, there was no internet. It was, it was pre-internet. But I think even, even, even if there was internet back then, it still would have happened. You know? Yeah. We were just – it was a rebellion from the 80s, you know? Sure. Um, I, I think. But – so Steve comes in and, and, and crushes it, and you did it for a bunch of years, yeah, right? Yeah, quite a few years there. And then you went up – And then Lightning fired me, so whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I didn't But you know you. what, though? To me <laughs> – I think that's something we talked about earlier is like, shit ends, bro. Right, you know what I mean? Like it is. Well, we did. We covered. I think we covered every topic that whole enchilada could cover. No, exactly. You know, and then we we started regurgitating a few, and like you know, let's just rest it. But by that time, you had a gig and promotions, and you were doing. And I was also doing overnights and shit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you were on the air and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, you grew. But yeah, I mean, it was fucking awesome. I always thought you represented that because there was always, even when K Rock was at its heights, heights, there was like this underrepresented Mexican girl listening to the Darks. You know, like you know yeah. the, that the, the late night K Rock crew that was not properly represented on. It's true on mainstream. K-Rock, well, you, I mean, look yeah. what K Rock came out of. You know, I, by the way, on on this West Coast Pop Lock podcast, I mean, yeah. how much is do the listeners that are in? You got guys in New Jersey listening and watching sure. and stuff like that. Like, how much of K Rock do they know? Not sure. I'm not sure. It, I it mean, goes we, back and we forth. yeah, we've like, talked like, about some stuff. And, yeah, and like they, they like so. Some. So you guys on the East Coast, it was WXRK, which is where Stern was and all that stuff, but. Nothing was ever as big as KROQ in Los Angeles. No, and right. that, that's not like a, a – we're not being arrogant when we say that. Like, it just is. Yeah. You could just look at the bands that would fly from England directly into L.A. and go right to K-Rock. Yeah. You know, David Bowie, for example, the first time he was in L.A., he slept on Rodney Bingenheimer's couch. So there was all these – David, you know, Gahan, Depeche Mode, they come to K-Rock and then they do everybody else. Sure. You could just it, – and the, the station took a lot of chances in the 80s and the 90s and stuff. And it was kind of like, um, I don't know, we made a film about it, which we can talk about later, uh-huh. that hopefully is coming out soon. It was just financed. Oh, we'll, let's circle back on that yeah, later. Okay, we'll circle back. Yeah. So, um, like, it, it was just, it, it was, the 90s were a really cool time. And it's funny, you started off this show talking about the fact that I worked too much. And that's true, because I worked so much through the 90s. I, I started in June of 91. Mm-hmm. So I, I was 20 when I started, and I turned oh, 21 at the radio station. Yeah. And um, I didn't know what I was a part of. When I joined, like I said, we were 20-something in the ratings. We were behind all the – even we were below KCRW, which is the you know <laughs> NPR yeah. station in yeah. town. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there were jazz stations ranking better than K-Rock. And um, so we just slugged it out forever. And there were some times occasionally where I'd find my state, you know, self on stage, like at Irvine Meadows, ladies and gentlemen, Candlebox, you know, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I made it. I introduced Candlebox. Yeah, right? I remember those days. It's like, um, there were some moments where I go, oh, like, damn, like I'm in standing in front of 60,000 people. I'll yeah. never forget. I grew up going to Supercross and Monster Jam. I'm white, right? Yeah. So I go to like off-road stuff and I'm from, you know, Orange County originally. And so I'm at Supercross. McGrath had done this is his I think fourth or fifth year of sweeping Supercross like all the entire series it's the season opener at Anaheim Stadium and I'm the guest that welcomes everyone on the microphone and they hand me the mic and I'm like I'm looking up at Anaheim Stadium and at that point it was still I think did they I I can't remember if it was still like all the way around because right. Anaheim Stadium didn't, you know, there wasn't that portion where the rocks are now, but it used to be all the way around. I think oh, it was yeah, at that was. time, yeah. right? Like when the Rams played way back yeah. in the day. I can't remember. And it doesn't matter. I'm standing there with a the microphone. I'm like, oh my God. Like, why am like, I, I made here? It. Like, I made I, it. I'm well, in Supercross. It, it, it wasn't like on the radio where people are like, oh, I listened to you on the radio. Sure. It was when I had that like come to Jesus moment like, 
I'm in my hometown talking to 60,000 people. It was fully, it was totally sold out or whatever the number is at Anaheim Stadium. And that was one of those moments I'll never forget. And then like a jackass, I go, Anaheim Stadium, Anaheim Stadium, Anaheim. And it's, and it's reverberating. And I'm, now I can't hear myself anymore. It's like it's coming back to me like a full second later. And now it freaks me out because I don't have headphones on. Like the pros always have headphones so they can't hear the They're echo. Back and now them. I'm hearing me full volume like a second later. And I go, this is really weird. This is really weird. Like now I'm talking to the guy. I'm like, now I'm just a jackass. Because it's, <laughs> it's coming back. Now I'm like totally screwed up in the head because, you know, in radio like we're doing now, we all have headphones. Yeah. It was so weird. And I, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking to myself in real time, I'm blowing this. I'm in front of my hometown crowd. And I'm just a goofball because like, I can't get over this echo. I'm ruining Supercross. <laughs> Dude, it was the <laughs> one thing I love. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm, exactly. I'm, yeah, exactly. All I want to do is do good at Supercross, man. Yeah, oh, it's like I, I've been waiting for this. Jerry this... McGrath is laughing at me right now. Oh, like, yeah. what is going on? Like, I, got, I got a pair of limited edition vans. I've been waiting for like some collabo vans, and I get them in the first day, and then I pee on them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, you like, stepped in dog shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh. I just ruined it. I think it was okay. I think, it, you know, no one came after, you know, afterwards, and it's like, oh, Lightning, you screwed it up. Like, it was all right. I, yeah. I saved it. But there was there were so many moments where I, you know, Week, it's so funny because the DJs didn't really like doing on stages. Every where it was, whatever the whether it was Limp Biscuit or Corn or Depeche Mode or whoever, there was a jock like part of the deal when we would give away tickets and K Rock would be out at the concert. Mm -hmm. We would have the van sitting out front, you know, sitting in the red zone, no parking zone, and it would be out there and we'd be handing out freebies. Then inside, our it was our deal with the promoter, right? Johnny, you've been all these shows, you know, like inside, um. We would have to do the like the official entrance, like in, in five minutes, ladies and gentlemen, whoever the band is, you know, Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. We like thanks for everyone coming, that type of thing. And um, the jocks would just get tired of it. They didn't want to go to these and do like you, you, you guys would all jump at a heartbeat. Like sure. I'm going to go, you know, bring out. I did a few because a lot of people were like, nah. I'm going to bring up it. social distortion. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh my god, like I'm a, I'm going to be on this stage and introduce my heroes, right? But a lot of the jocks are like, I just, I'm busy that night. I, I did gotta, seven I, nights of social distortion in Hollywood, dude. <laughs> right? And I was like, okay, I'm fucking down. Like, I yeah, did uh, um, Ozfest. Yeah. Everybody at Ozfest. Yeah. And I was like, who doesn't want to come out here and do this? This is fucking yeah. rad. It's insane. But you know what? I They just did it for 20, 20 years. Yeah. Some of these jocks are like, yeah. I'm over it. I didn't, you know? And so I would end up doing a lot of these things. And yeah, you'd have these like out of body experiences doing these, oh, these on stages where you're like, in five minutes, you know, whatever the band is. I did have an awful one at Tori Amos. I talked too long. And one of the guy in the front seat's like, get off. I'm like, <laughs> I like, I'm like goodbye. I would always do it like <laughs> short and sweet. Yeah, I learned like, What's that. What's up? Super Steve from K Rock coming up. And I would say, Dude, that's and someone, it. See you I, later. I, I had already done 50 of them by the time someone says, Dude, say K Rock at the end. So don't say who you are. Just go up there, welcome the crowd. Just be an anonymous person, right? Because half the crowd may or may not know who you are. And and then at the very end, go like, you know, Stone Temple Pilots, I'm lightning from K Rock, and then you're gone, right? <laughs> so they're like, it's too. They're they were they're already clapping for the band, right? And they're yeah. like, oh, whoever this guy is, don't, yeah. I don't care. But I did the opposite. If you say it up front, I'm lightning from K Rock. They're like, boo. Yeah, oh. if you say it up front, you're hammered because there's always some heckler in the front, right? Well, that's Fuck what you. that's what no, that's why I would do it. Like, yo, what's up, Super Steve with the World Famous K Rock coming out? So and they're like, they don't, they want to start booing, oh, but no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh shit, yeah, Fuck yeah. You, make it, you make it so quick, yeah, because they oh, believe that. that they're about to walk out, yeah, and then you walk off and there's another fucking like eight minutes or nine. Oh, well, and, like, and the the, the 
bands, the bands, there were a lot of bands that wanted a real big gap. Like yeah. they didn't want to be, and the reason is, is a holes like me. I wasn't as bad, but I have been so. Like flash forward to twenty fourteen, I don't know. I, I went and like headed up the digital department at K Rock, and mm-hmm. then we got bought. Well, engulfed into uh, uh, CBS Radio, and then I became part of the national events team and stuff. So I found myself at all of these events all over the country, hosted by radio stations, our company, CBS, and so many of the DJs would do these insanely long six minute things on stage where they're bringing up. Here's the girl that does the traffic report, and then here's this guy. Remember that? And and you're thinking the band is backstage listening to all this, going, oh, "What the oh fuck? Oh my god, get this dude off our stage!" So a lot of times they just they in the contract they're like, "He'll go up. That's fine as part of our contract. He can go say hi to the crowd. He's got to do it ten minutes in advance." So the crowd is like, it's like disassociated, yeah. sure. right? Because there's so many they get that taste out of their mouth. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't. I'm not mad at him for it. No, yeah. <laughs> Who wants to know the fuck? Yeah, here's the fucking traffic dude. You're like, oh, fuck. Oh, we don't even listen. Do you remember that guy who called in that one time? This is him. Yeah. Well, yeah. And a lot of times, yeah. and every DJ thinks that they're personal with the artist. Oh, yeah. Every single DJ thinks, we've been playing this band, and he was over at my house for dinner. Like, no, no, he wasn't. You know, But it's always got to be me, I, this, me, we. Like, nah, for no. me it was just my name, K Rock, and the band. Yeah, well, that was good. Boom. You're smart. Yeah. Done. That's it. I don't want to yeah. get booed, bro. Yeah. That shit hurts. It hurts. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. You know, <gasps> I got uh, the only time was because I took too long. Yeah, it was at an AFI in San Bernardino, uh-huh. and those people were oh, like, dude. they were all. Hey, that's it. That's it. They were already hating on us when we pulled up in the sure. K Rock band. These, these, poor, these poor people live in San Bernardino, man. And they're I was already like, oh, no, they're good shit. at hating. Yeah, no, they're, they're already hating. angry. And I was like, man. fuck, dude. And they're like, oh, yeah, I could go up. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I went up there and I heard some booze and I was like, hey, bye. Hey, bye, motherfuckers. Hey, bye. But then enjoyed the show. You know I've what been mean? asked personally by Davey Havoc <laughs> to come yeah, up here. He's my homie. So stop booing me. You'd be surprised. There are guys that would say that. Like, <laughs> oh, if you don't stop booing me, I'm going to fucking stage dive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, coming. Yeah, I'm coming right now. Because the problem is, booing. I'm the guy who will, like, if, if I see the guy who's booing or heckling, I'll find a way to go find him later and go, dude, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I screwed up. I should have been shorter. You know, like, I want to apologize to do the heck. I just sure. like, I don't want any bad You are like, unsatisfied. Bad mojo. I would like to. Yeah, yeah. Fix I feel bad. Because I'm like, oh, I don't want to do a disservice to the radio station. Like, I love that place, you know? He, he, no, I know you do. Here, here's the question Why K Rock and why a producer? What? How did that come about? It was not on purpose. So I was going to Rancho Santiago College in Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was, I thought I was going to go into like real estate. I was working at a car stereo shop. I loved audio. Like mm-hmm. I just yeah. loved audio, which is my jokes around, you know, by, about your compression and whatnot here. I took it off, by the way. <laughs> no, I took them all off right now. No, that's all good. It's all good. I can, I can hear it. It's better. Um, <laughs> and so I was big into this. You stuff, can send right? the pointers later on the email. Hey, bro, this is what you need to do. You know what? Some life critique. It's okay. It hurts. It's all right. But I mean, listen, I I can't really hear too well because of these Marshall headphones. I'm used to Sony NBR oh, 7506. Yeah. That's what we're gonna have in here next week. Yeah, oh, we're gonna have Mars. Don't just, you fucking worry. We're gonna have some of those. Nah, I know. I'm just. I know where to hit him. You know what I mean? I, I know where it hurts. Exactly. That you know how to stab him. You know how. That's exactly. Now the school studio. No, you've done. Done a really nice job. I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, what are we talking about? 
Uh, why you started? How? Oh, yeah. how, why, how, why, how, why, how oh yeah, yeah. So I, college I, uh, in Santa Ana. Yeah, so I I was taking some business classes and I I was just floating through life. I was working at a car stereo shop, work and a surf shop at the same time, and and uh, but I really loved audio. I really I thought I wanted to be like a maybe I was either going to go real estate or I was going to be a foley artist. Do you know what a foley artist? Sure. The guy that makes he you know clicks two coconuts <laughs> together. You know, like a horse hoof. You know, or like. Whatever, yeah, you've seen, you've seen, remember <laughs> what, uh, no, Monty Python and the Holy Grail? We just click it now, forget yeah, it, that old yeah, reference. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you make up, like, you, you crack celery, and Did it sounds like idea? a punch. Did you, you have go, an idea how to do like, that? Did you have an idea how to I, yeah, I had recording equipment, and I, oh, I, no I really like that stuff. So, uh, oh, he, this is not a joke. No, no, no. I, I thought it was it, a joke for I a second. I didn't think no. it was a joke. No, like, no, like, literally, like, you know, like, like, when they do bones breaking in movies, it's celery. They go, they go, and they break celery on a microphone. They distort it. It sounds they like used, a bone break. That used to be my There's, favorite part of the Universal Studios backlot tour. They would take you on the stage and show you yeah. how like Foley artists work. And they'd so. slap sandbags and do all yeah, this weird stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, every, I think you know about like the laser guns in Star Wars, right? No. No? I'm about to know right How do you now. not know that? Dude, one of the Foley artists in 1973 or whatever they were making the movie – was on a he crawled up a guy wire like on a on a telephone pole and he took a wrench and went and he hit the wire the high voltage wire and went and it went boom with a wrench a wire a, you know like 30 feet up boom and he distorted and that's the that became the the laser sound effect in all the star wars that's, that's fucking cool it was yeah. that wire hell yeah who would have known I yeah you know, you're out there making yeah there's there's video like if you google it you'll you'll, yeah. you'll find it but anyway um so they i'm in one of my classes in like this general entertainment class it's just about learning about movies and film and radio whatever and the teacher passed out these forms one day and said hey these radio stations are looking for interns if you guys like audio klos and pirate radio or they're looking for interns and i go oh wow so i filled one out for for klos and for pirate i didn't get a call from pirate pirate had just launched and pirate radio in was like a precursor to jack fm they played whatever they wanted yeah and they were called pirate radio because way back in the day people would have actual pirate radio stations our buddy Chuck, do you remember Chuck? Yeah, yeah, he has a, he still has a pirate radio station. Oh shit, radio station. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I thought it'd be cool to go work there, but I listened to K Rock, but it was they weren't passing around flyer, you know, things for for K Rock. It yeah. wasn't even like I didn't think it was an option. So I applied for K Rock for KLOS and and we had Mark and Brian at the time, and I got a call and I went all the way to Culver City. I got off the freeway and I go. I don't like Mark and Brian. And I turned right around and got back on the 405 Damn. and went all the way and went all the way home. And my girlfriend at the time, she's like, well, that was a waste of time. Like, you, why don't you just apply at K-Rock? That's the station. That's what we all listen to. Why don't you know? And, and at that time, Richard Blade, who was the midday guy oh, yeah. or afternoons whenever Richard was on, he had his intern, Michelle, on the air all the time. And he would, they would always – Jed was talk, would talk to his phone op. And you could hear people in the background – you know, mumbling, and you knew there was activity in life there. And so I go, okay. I'll. So she actually called up, got a something faxed to my uh, surf shop. I filled it out, sent it in, but I didn't hear anything for a couple months. And then one day, Mike, the owner of our surf shop, um, he's like, "Hey, there's there's a woman from K Rock on the phone." I'm like, "What?" So I pick it up, and she's like, "Hi, this is Maria. I produce the morning show. Do you want to come in for an interview?" And I go, "Yes." So I, week or so later, I drove up to Burbank from Orange. It's like a 49-mile drive, and I'm dressed up in a, not a suit and a tie, but I have a nice shirt on and a tie and a pair of slacks and nice shoes. 
And I'm thinking, this is, I'm going for like a business interview, yeah, right? Because yeah. I'm going for, it's not a paid job, but it's a job, right? And I walk, and as soon as I walk, well, no, first I get to the elevator, and it's on the ninth floor. And I go to push the nine, I realize the nine button, the clear plexiglass over the nine had been popped out. Someone took a, a knife and popped the nine out. Because, of course, that's what yeah. you do, a K-Rock. Right. So I get up to the top, ninth floor. Doors open. I look. There's a plaque on the wall, world-famous K-Rock. And there's, like, it had bolted, been bolted to the wall, four bolts covered by these, like, uh, one-inch pieces of chrome steel to cover the bolts, sure. right? Two of them had been popped off. Someone was in the process of trying to steal the sign off the wall and, and couldn't get it all off the wall. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm clearly in the right place, right? Yeah. And I walk in, and the girl, she greeted me. I filled out a little paper, and sitting on this tiny little couch, like a love seat, tiny little um, front office there and there's two dudes all in mascara black hair black clothes and I'm like I don't fit in like they were there for the same reason I was there but they were they were like I work at a radio they were like, station they were all about the cure sure. Depeche Mode newer they the were darks they but they, that I was <laughs> like I'm like I'm never getting this job like so you I'm cut clearly, your fucking slacks into little <laughs> cholo shorts yeah so I, I'm like I don't even there's no way like because yeah. I'm a goofball, right? I'm just a dork from Orange County. I'm never going to get this gig. So she calls me in, and I go back all the way in the far corner, um, and I, I Marie opens the door. Come on in. And she's in a pantsuit. And she was – she's like, hi, I'm Maria. I'm Maria D'Arcangelo. And, uh, you know, she tells me about herself. She had worked just – she had been hired a few months earlier – she was Michael Ovitz's assistant at CAA. Jesus if you're familiar with CAA, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. right? Know. Michael Ovitz runs entertainment, you know? Yeah. He was like king, man, uh, uh, not manager, what would you call him? Agent. A agent. serious hitter, yeah. Agent, yeah. agent. Yeah. So she, they wooed her away. They paid her good money because at that time, apparently, well, I'll get into this. But anyway, so she looks at me, and I'm thinking I'm never getting this j- job. And she looks at me, and I'm the only clean-cut kid she had interviewed that yeah. day. Yeah. And so hired me on the spot. <laughs> hired me on the spot. And uh, She came from a different place as well. Yeah, a different place. Yeah, yeah. I need some more of me so here. What, what, what happened is that Kevin and Bean were hired a year prior, and um, Laura Brown was their first producer. And it was a, it was a woman who wanted to – I think she wanted to be on the air and wanted something different than what management wanted. Manage- management wanted a Rick Dees. Management wanted a, a, a Jay. What was the guy back in the day who was on? Jay Thomas. Jay Thomas on Power yeah. 106. Oh, or yeah, yeah. They, wanted, they wanted a Mark and Brian. And in order to do that, they had to have legitimacy. They had to have real A-level sure. guests. They had to have Tom Cruise, Madonna, whoever you know the guest would be. And they couldn't get anyone no one, because Kevin and Bean were so low on the ratings, and they were just everyone thought that they were Mark and Brian ripoffs, and um, they weren't obviously as we yeah. know now. But at the time, no one knew that, and so they brought in this woman who would potentially have this laundry list, this Rolodex. You know, we don't have those anymore, but she had you know, All the she spinning spinning wheel of, and she actually did have a Rolodex on her desk, and she would fu- you know Hell finger yeah. through. Um, all these, uh, all these names and stuff, and and um, and they all said no. And she had like Pamela Cates, you know, on speed dial, and Pamela Cates represented Tom Cruise. Like those are some of the connections. Now we didn't get Tom Cruise until many, many years later. Yeah, but um, that was that. That was the plan. So she was like, "I'm, I'm here to work. I'm not here to like meet Depeche Mode. Like I'm, I'm sure. here to bust ass." Yeah, and she did, and no, she put I'm it here down. To and, meet Depeche so, Mode. I don't give a fuck about Dave Gahan. All right? Yeah. <laughs> so, like. We we just we worked and so my first couple weeks there, 
Um, my first week and a half there, this is like June of 91, there was no Kevin and Bean. They were on their, yep, there it is, summer vacation tour. So what they would do is they would go on a road and go see the world's largest pecan or whatever the goofball you know, roadside attraction was, mm-hmm. and they would record it on a cassette player, on a Marantz cassette recorder, Ooh. and then they would go to a, they would go to a, FedEx was just getting going then, they would go to a FedEx location, and they would overnight it back to Mark the Wiffle Boy, and he would take it off the cassette, put it on reel-to-reel, edit it, and then air it. As if it were live the next day, that day, there was a lot of production going on. So my first week, I didn't, I didn't work with Kevin and Bean. They weren't there. They were on the road. Yeah. So the, they come back off the road, and I'm there at like 4.45 every morning. It's like a Monday morning. They're back in town. It's, now it gets to like 5.25. They're, they're about to be on the air a few minutes later. The back door swings open. I look to my right, and there's two six-foot-six bald white guys with cowboy hats on and i go what what (laughs) and they had kevin had gotten drunk and convinced bean that they were going to buzz their heads when they were in texas drinking like fireballs or some some crazy crazy kamikaze drinks or whatever and so i'm sitting down i'm i'm as low as i am right now we're in these little like card folding fold-up tables or whatever and i'm at this little makeshift table because they didn't have a desk for me and here comes Bean, all six foot six of Bean, and he's wearing, he's bald, wearing a cowboy hat. And the dude's, you know, like, and I look up and I go, I didn't know what to say. He's like, you're the intern? What's up? Or whatever they said to me. Yeah. I'm like, I was just petrified. I was like, oh my God. Because they were just, they were just like giant monoliths, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they proceeded to try to fire me for the next like oh. four years. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, and like, it was, yeah, I've said this story a, a few times, but they, I, didn't understand that when you when when they would say like I need something in a minute I need that uh, newspaper article in a minute they don't mean like kind of in a minute when you get to it. they mean in fifty nine seconds yeah. because at sixty seconds we crack the mic open and we start talking about how stupid you are for not understanding that sixty seconds is sixty seconds yeah and so it took me years to figure out that pace and all that stuff. Um, but finally, I don't know if I ever licked it, but like, <laughs> you got there. Like, I just I think uh, like to what you said earlier, I just outworked everyone. You know, I just I just was so dedicated to it. And I worked at that same kind of thing all the way through the 90s. Like all when when dude, we were on. In the in the height of Lip Biscuit, when they did that rolling video, that rolling, 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 they shot it on. I don't remember if it was the North Tower or the South Tower, but on one of the Twin Towers, that's where it was shot. And it was it was the weekend prior to the Video Music Awards, MTV VMAs, mm-hmm. and we were invited up there by Peter Katz's their manager, and and Fred, and so it was me and Kevin and his his he may have been married and it was my girlfriend at the time, and and we were it was it was Randy we were married and and we were up on one of those towers watching oh. this video being shot. So I sometimes I see that video like I'm. I was standing on that tower watching the cameraman, I'll, and I'll a never year forget. Prior. <clears throat> What's that? A year prior to exactly a year prior on the day. Yeah, yeah, it's when they shot it. Oh shit! And it was, I... So it was really weird, and I had never been to the Twin Towers, yeah. much less on the roof. And there was security and all the stuff we had sure. to go through. Because I'll never forget up there. I I was hearing a helicopter. I hear like my wife and I are going. Where's the helicopter? I'm looking around and look. I couldn't find the helicopter. And she's like, um, "It's down there." 
we looked down to see the helicopter. We were above where the helicopters fly. That's oh, how shit. tall those buildings were. It was really bizarre. And um, I don't remember why I brought up the story, but it, it's just one of those moments where – Oh, I do know. I, I remember why. Because it was the helicopter thing. I remember that. But, like, that was the biggest band. When they did that Roland video, oh. Limp Bizkit was the biggest band. I, th- I think you talked about were, them because the Dungeon Podcast yeah, uh, is in um, – and he has a, a, sh- a podcast it's called Chocolate Starfish. It's, yeah, he has, oh, he yeah. has, he has it, a Limp Biscuit as podcast. Soon as Starfish you, and the hot dog flavored water, right? Hey, as soon yeah. as you started talking about it, this guy D, came yeah, in. Oh, nice. What's up, D? <laughs> from New Jersey, man. He loves him some Limp Biscuit. Yeah. Oh, what's up with Zach? Zach Rabbit Lopez, Lightning. Uh, he came out to see my band at the Pike in Long No, Beach. he went to the Pike. Your band was just playing. <laughs> you leave oh. fucking Zach alone, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't come see your band. He went I to go get like a, a beer? beer or something. Yeah. He went to get something and, oh, there's a band So here. just, it was weird. Like, all through that, even though that happened and, and there were so many times like that, like Woodstock, you know, when we were at Woodstock and there was the the, the fires and the mud throwing and all that stuff. And, like, it, it was just all... It was also hard. Did like, you watch that HBO documentary about the Woodstock '99? No. It's really good. No, I was there. Uh, yeah, I'll, I, I was there. And That's it was, why I was interested in your idea. Um... It was not fun. <laughs> and if we did not, have, if Moby's management had not saved us, we might not have like got in. Like it was just that was all a disaster. We stayed one night at a at a listener's house in some podunk town. There's a whole story there for another podcast, but um, like. It was just we were just working, and yes, Kevin and Bean had to have fun on the air and had to do their shtick. But like, there was so much setup to everything. Sure. There was so nothing was scripted, but it was just there was so much setup and and so much work. And so all the '90s go by, and it get to 2000, you know, whatever. And we're like, I go, well, I don't know what just happened. There's a decade, I just don't know what happened. And there weren't cell phones. Like there were cell phones, there were flip phones, but they they weren't like now now you're taking selfies and oh, all yeah. that stuff and 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 what makes matters worse is that I had a no a no photograph policy. So when whoever the band would come into the station, the only people that could take photographs, as you'll recall Steve, yeah. the only people I allowed to take photographs were Kevin and Bean. And occasionally, you know, if the program director, the heavy hitters, but I didn't want the the guests to feel like they were rolling in to a pop station and everyone's going to get their autograph and they were going to be hounded. No, yeah. we I wanted to create where they could come in in their sweats in a t-shirt, you know, and not and they, like Gwen Stefani could come in and not have to do her makeup, which never happened. But like that she that type have. of that she could have exactly. Um, the uh, option was there. Charlize right. Charlize. Charlize Theron is a great example. She would come in in her sweats, and she's gorgeous with yeah. nothing on. You know yeah. what I mean? And and we got to that rapport with a lot of guests because we weren't taking photos and stuff like that. Sure. We were just like, it's just loose. They just roll in. And um, that's one thing I liked about even being on the air when I would come in from partying uh, and then coming on the next day. And it's like they're handing me a Jack and Coke. It's not scripted. It's just there. Or the jokes or the banter. It was never scripted. Those guys were good. I ended up going to uh, Groundlings just because I needed to catch up, you know. So I went for two years to the to Groundlings just to sharpen up. And I remember uh, Kevin was like, yo, bro, it's working, dude. You, you know, you, you're, getting, yeah. you're getting it. Yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. It was just being in there with guys that had been doing it like that for so so long yeah. that it just fucking, it was just flowing. And dude. they knew talent. Like, they, I, I didn't. Like, I take zero credit for any of that stuff. So I just tried to make sure... I wanted Kevin and Bean to be the best that they could be, mm-hmm. and, th- and then I would shine as well, potentially. Like I, I, They'd be like, good job. You know, you did a, a decent job. And so 
if they wanted guests, then I would I would drive to wherever I needed to drive to get a guest or to sit in someone's lobby until they would because if they wouldn't take my call, I'd go there, you know, to the agent or the the the, the publicist office wherever I need whatever I needed to do to get the job done to make them more successful, it would bleed down to me. Sure. So that's the way I looked at it. And I was I never was like, oh, I'm this talented. I'm the producer. Because there's a lot of producers that are on the air. And I, sure. I did, you know, the first part, so I, I was the, I went from being Maria's assistant as an intern. I interned for a year, unpaid. And then Scott Mason, God rest his soul, um, knew that I was a really hard worker. And he's like, you know, and I know you, he's like, I know you want to stay here. So I'm going to give you a $6 an hour job, sweeping the transmitter, doing, going through logs and stuff. And Jed won't ever sign anything, you know, so you need to go in every day and get Jed to sign his log, you know, because it's legal. Yeah, and, you have to sign them shit. You got you to say I'm on the air from this time to this time, and the transmitter is putting out this much wattage and blah, blah, blah. So Jed could be bothered with that stuff. So, you know, Radio that, stuff. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of the stuff I was doing. And then, and then so I, for about six months, I worked for, um, for, uh, for Scott. Mean, at the same time, Kennedy, who's on Fox Hell Business yeah. and all that stuff. So Kennedy, Kennedy and I worked together on the phones. She went in and got the first gig doing um, backing up Kevin. So... You would sit behind Kevin. You'd operate the reel-to-reel uh, player. You'd cut tape. You'd you know get all of your carts, your commercials ready, and all that stuff stacked up. So, so Kevin didn't have to pay attention to like having... what's next. He would he would just pull it out of the pile and put it in the machine and hit play. Um, and she they was have a flashbacks she, to you. Yeah, was she she out? was awful at that, but she was really really talented. You know? I mean, carts and all that. That shit don't exist no more, bro. Carts. Doug the Slug's got them all. Sluggo's got them. Yeah. yeah. Or, or you know, because when I first first started K Rock, you still had the you know the little carts and you had to put them in and shit. Yeah. And then after yeah. a couple of years, all of a sudden there's computers and shit. Yeah. So carts damn, sucked. Dude. Carts yeah. sucked. Serious balls. Carts was it was a looped tape. So. Maybe you see it on some cartoon or, or some old old black old show where they have a it looks like an eight track you know an eight track tape they're about half an inch thick and about as big as my hand and yeah. they had a, and they had a looped tape like it was actually taped together at the end so it would go forever and it had a little tone which would make it stop and start at the right spot well a lot of DJs were either high or whatever and they would just they, <laughs> yeah. when the song would end they'd hit stop which you're never supposed to do you don't hit stop you just turn it down and you let it finish so it, it cues stops. up automatically yeah. but you'd be you know you you go up and get on the we had the, the hot the hot songs on this wall right to your right so you could just look at the log right grab right on your right hand throw it right into the cart machine and you'd be like hey it's 1067 KRQ it's Saturday night it's a big old party hit it nothing and you're like oh my god so you're like <laughs> then you grab another cart you're like all right sorry about the dead air ladies and gentlemen so blah 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 what are you saying you're like hit it nothing <laughs> and so I still have nightmares about this. Yeah. Like, I swear to God, I still have nightmares about this, where I grab every card off the wall, and then I start grabbing CDs, and the CDs are scratched and skipping. And it's like, I can't make anything play, so I just have to do this. I have to riff. All night, I have to just talk, and I wake up in a sweat every single time. It sucks. <laughs> wow. It sucks. Still to this day. He it just sucks. had that last night. Dude, I'm not joking. Once a week, I have that dream. Is, de- is dead all air like later. the worst one? Oh, is that, is that the worst me. one of them all? People can get fired for dead yeah. air. Sure, yeah. we get fired for dead yeah. air. Yeah. Oh my god. We had yeah. We had a DJ. She was uh, she was from Boston or wherever she was from, and she was a whack a mole, and talented when she was when she was on you know on a roll. But other than that, she was just a really strange person. But she only drank tab. And she, for whatever reason, she would always be in a hurry, and she'd leave it in her car. So she, or at least that's what I, sure. I think was happening. And so 
it would be 2 a.m. That sounds like she, a junkie story. Yeah. She'd put on a long, she'd put on a 12-inch remix of something, and she'd go downstairs to get her quote-unquote tab. Oh, and she did have tab. Like, there was tab sure. throughout the building. So yeah. there actually was the tab, uh, the pink cans. And so she would go down, and sure enough, she wouldn't be able to get back in, and the song eventually would just run out. And then a, an engineer would have to get up, or we'd have to find security to open all the doors. Holy and so shit. you might have a half an hour dead air. Half wow. an hour? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I know even... <laughs> In my car or wherever, listening to the radio, if there's dead air, you I mean, listen. Like, I'm, I'm like, oh do. shit, there's dead air. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm like, what? <laughs> like I said, we're freaking out. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, who's back there going? What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, get that oh, oh there's man. a program it's... director and a sales manager that are freaking out. Freaking yeah. out oh, if I hear man. if I hear dead air today, I'm gonna pull off the road and I'm gonna sit there, turn off the car, and just wait. Oh, it's the I'm just best. gonna listen to it. you're like someone's getting hammered. Oh, <laughs> someone's getting fired. Someone's it's getting the fired. Best yeah. hear that like a, And they whoa, don't though. No whoa. one ever gets fired. No, no one ever wow, gets fired. Really? No, for whatever reason, no one ever gets fired for that stuff. Holy shit. I used to no. play songs that I wasn't supposed to play because you know, sometimes they have them like listed, especially overnights. There's certain songs I got to play, and then it'll be like extra time, and they have like five songs that can fill that extra time. Right. That's it. I'd be like, nah, today I'm gonna do this song, yeah, and I'll put it in like a, like a deep cut from like Memorisi or a Social D one, and then I'd go on there and be like, ah, because people would call up and ask for stuff. That's good until there's a, a bunch of f bombs in that song. Oh, that's good until someone happened to be coming home from a club. And then they hear, and they're like, "Whoa, we have never played that song. Like, why What's is that going song on, on yeah. the radio?" And then you right get now. called in Monday, and, and that like, would happen a lot. That where you get yeah. called on the blue line or the yeah. red line or the yellow line. Either yeah. way, it's like, yeah. "What are you doing? Do you see the list to the left of you? Stick to that." I got well, that's right. exactly what they said. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. all right, sorry. I already played it, so you know. Dude, what's that song? Um, what's that? Oh my god, I can't, I'm going to space on this song. When Carson played the one song, it was like five in the afternoon, and it was it was. Uh, oh my god, it was it was it was like lesbians talking about lesbians and it was it was every f-bomb and every bad thing you could say in a song oh my god kiss me in the rear kiss me what um so he plays this song at five in the afternoon and it's just f-bomb after f-bomb after bad thing after bad thing this is mr carson daly yeah it's carson so he's what he's doing is he would put on a song turn his headphones off or just set his headphones to the side and record a call you know all the phone calls you hear are recorded you have to record them because you can't have cursing and all that stuff so even in the (laughs) early days you're recording all that (laughs) stuff right now now i will say morning show stuff that was live and you did have a delay and you could dump out right and you could you could you could you could mute someone basically, yeah. but um, all the other jocks would all record during. Until right, during I figured shift, that right? out, I was like, "How did they have that song ready to go so fast?" And you can always tell. Like, here's here's the tell. Like, here's the tell. Even today, if you guys are listening to the radio, when the DJ goes, "Hey, who do we have on the line?" and they go and they go, "Hey, this is Bill," and they jump right in with no pause because that's not human. They always cut it too tight. So they go, hey, so we've got a whole rack of calls lined up, and uh, what, do, what do you guys want to hear? Who's this on the line? This is Joe. I'm bla-. Like, no. No one just jumps in. Because that doesn't happen. The, the DJ throws it to you. You're on the phone. You're in the car, and, and you hear this. And there's a sound effect that, like, they're engaging the line. And then there's a moment, and you go, and they go, hey, is this Bill? And you're like, oh, hey, yeah, this is Bill. Like, that's a real conversation. You yeah. know? So these DJs always edit that stuff out way too tight. So yeah. that's like inside baseball, right? I can always tell when it's cut. Why like, does everybody sound that up. so far away when you call when you call to the radio station? When you call the radio station? Yeah, it okay. always sounds uh, so far. Do you, how, how techy do you want to get? No, not at all. That's not at all. I'm just saying, why is that? That's I'm, a big question, Johnny. Dumb it down. Dumb yeah, it down. Yeah, okay, so here's why. So here's why. When you're live, just like we are now, for you guys who are watching us on, on YouTube or 
Twitch, whoever it is, we're all wearing Facebook, headphones. Facebook, YouTube, okay? and Twitch. That's so we're, right. we're all wearing headphones. Okay. And so because we record when we're in a song, like right now we're in the middle of a song. We're like, okay, now we're going to go talk to the listeners. We take our headphones off and then we talk to the, we talk to the person on the phone line and they're in a speaker in the studio. That speaker gets picked up by the microphone. Sure. So it, it, you get this, you get this hollow loop. It's exactly what happens when you have someone yelling like this. So I'm picked up on all the microphones and it sound, sounds hollow, right? The only if you if you muted all the mics but mine, I won't sound hollow. But as long as your mics are live, I sound hollow. So when when you have when you have when you have all these wacky morning shows, like it happens to Woody all the time at ninety eight seven, and you know whatever the the show is, Uh you got a bunch of guys sitting around a table like this, and they start yelling about something, and all of a sudden it gets hollow sounding. It's because I'm heard through your microphone, and it gets out of phase. Hollow, yes, because hollow is the perfect and word. And so that happens when they're recording the calls during a song. And they're listening to that, you know, Joe from Pacoima is coming through a little tiny five-inch speaker up on the wall over here. And that's being put through the microphone, and that's how that sure. happens. Why is it Pacoima? Every time someone is playing, you know, Juan from yeah. Pacoima, Joe from Pacoima. <laughs> oh, Pacoima's just yeah, oh. comedy trigger. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's like Ukaipa, Pacoima. Avocado. You went to Groundlings. It's specific. No, right? yeah, it's specificity, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricardo Valenzuela from Pacoima. Exactly. With his flying guitar. Exactly. That's all Pacoima means to me. Is I know Hell, that's where yeah. fucking Richie Valens is from. It's like it's a lot of inside baseball radio talk here. I can't imagine this is relatable. To oh, no. It is know? relatable. Be, I'm going to tell you why. Because a lot of people, and this is where some people think I'm hating, but... It, a lot of people that you worked at K Rock at the end tail end that didn't get the true K Rock when, when when I had first gotten there. I'm not saying that I was there for the the main main heyday, but I was there still when we were doing shit that was, you know, before we got stopped from doing stuff after after the uh, wardrobe malfunction. Who is with uh, in the Super Bowl? Janet Jackson. Dude, yeah. we, we didn't even. If you remember, we did not get to see that because we were at the Key Club for a Super Bowl. We didn't Bowl even know what event, happened, and there was a band playing. During halftime. It was uh, Gwen's uh, ex-husband. Uh, so we did not. Bush. So, but, no, not Bush, but just him, Gavin. Gavin. Gavin so Rossdale. Yeah, but not he wasn't with Bush at the so time. We did not see, so we did not see any halftime show when that yeah. happened. We were watching the band. I remember that. I was talking to somebody else about this, Steve, <laughs> that you bring. It's, it's strange. that it, I feel like you, We maybe we've talked about this before, but I, I don't know of anyone else talking about this. I, I think that there must be someone in radio or TV who talks about it, but I call it the Janet Jackson effect. Because that was the moment, so that was that Super Bowl was on CBS. Yeah, and and so Justin Timberlake reaches around and he whether it's accident or not, I do think it was accidental because that's even Justin Timberlake's not going to do that. Like he's pretty conservative, and he accidentally rips her top off, and she's she's nude for just a minute. Her, she's topless, right? Kind of, sort of, right? Yeah, she no, nipple, she had, she had nipple ring. shields on. Yeah, yeah so that's why shield. I think it was set up. Yeah, yeah. I don't think should. so. Because she had nipple shields, like no, it's no, like, like it, it's no, it's they elaborate. Do, no, they th- those things are well, whatever. Whatever. I don't. I, I just don't think so. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty naive that way. I don't think that was set up because like, Chris, like Chris Rock got slapped for real. No, I do think so. Okay, absolutely. When he was so, going, I'm going with the nipple so story. so I um so CBS had the Super Bowl. CBS was also CBS Radio. They had like hundreds of radio stations, and 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 hundreds and hundreds of television stations. And all of a sudden, they were on blast by everyone. Yeah. Like, everyone's like, you just showed nudity. Why didn't you have a delay feature where 
the actual live feed is 15 seconds behind. So in the event that there's an F-bomb or anything, or anything right, someone – you can go to black or you could put up color bars or you could go to a commercial, like whatever. Just go – choose a different camera Something for that else. matter. You know what I mean? <laughs> so anything. And they didn't have it. They had no excuses. So that – not only did that change – the way that television and radio, all of radio had to be on delay. There was no more live radio. Everyone had to have a dump button. They had to be in delay, 15, 18 seconds, whatever it was. Um, then the shows like we had Ralph Sex U, Ralph Sex University. Yeah, I got taken out. It just was a domino effect of like it just everything got really conservative really fast. Yeah. And everything that was sexually oriented um, just got just got hammered, just got taken away. And it, it, it had a, some really negative effects to – Creatives and radio, you know, sure. it made it really, really hard. And it, it, uh, I remember Kevin Weatherly came into the Kevin and Bean office at the time. He was and a he had an director. envelope. Yeah. He had an envelope and he goes, Usually you're pushing the envelope, right? He goes, You need to stay in here now. Like, there's no more pushing you're in this the envelope. envelope. There's no like, more this envelope like, stays right ah, here. Shit. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. were serious. Yeah, they were. They were serious. Bro. And you know what? And so it ended up like flash forward a bunch of years later. Flash forward, like at that time, Going back to like when there was Opie, Opie and Anthony and Howard Stern and Kevin and Bean, they were all kind of they were all under the um, the umbrella of this guy named Mel Carmazon, who owned Infinity Broadcasting, and Infinity at that time was like eighteen stations, all like these really important radio stations. But um, Mel Carmazon believed it wasn't about the stick or the antenna or the frequency or the wattage or the format. He believed it was about the talent. He believed that there's only one Howard Stern, there's only one Kevin and Bean, there's only one Opie and Anthony. And whatever the talent was. And he had, he had all, all, every one of his 18 stations had all stars on them. And he would go to bat for them. Like if they got into trouble, he would go in front of the FCC and go to bat for them. So it's like knowing that no matter what kind of fight you get into, you know, at school, roughhousing or whatever, your dad's going to come and make sure. it set it He's straight. He's got your back. He's got your back. Like, son, step off. I got this. And, and Mel was that way. Yeah. And then he sold the company to CBS and to Viacom and blah, blah, blah. And every time it traded hands, it was less and less of that represent. You, you didn't know one had your back to a point where the DJs at, at some point in, I don't know, somewhere in the 2005-ish, 8-ish range, somewhere, somewhere in there, they then had to their, um, sign agreements, their talent agreements that said if they got – if they let bad words or bad content on the air – they were financially liable for any FCC fines. So at that point, it changed everything. Mm -hmm. Fuck know, yeah. For a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, fuck and, that. Yeah, it was yeah, now it's like, no, no, no. No push. It got really ugly for right it got really angle. ugly for a really long time with a lot of very important talent over yeah. that. I'll yeah. bet. They're like, no, you, you, I work for you. You protect me. You know? Sure. You hired me to do a job. My job is to get people listening. If everything's milk toast, everything's vanilla, no one's going to listen. It's why, fuck. you know, eventually we'll get to like, why does radio blow today for that, you know, for that reason? Well, m many reasons. That's one of them. My favorite, yeah. my favorite ongoing bit. Now, I'm just thinking about it. My favorite ongoing bit that you guys did was the old man in the nursing home. What was that guy's name? You guys got him a stripper one time? Oh, you're talking about, uh, uh, not Ben. Um, you're talking about... Uh, 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 Sam Weiser. That's his name. So Sam uh, Weiser. Sam, Sam Weiser was Weiser in his nineties or something like that. Sam yeah. Weiser was, uh, and how we found him, I don't, I don't recall. He was. Oh, I do. It was one of our listeners, like grandfather. 
I'm sure. And he was yeah. in a he was in a home, um, one of those assisted living homes. But he had a nice living room and stuff and whatever. And he just had a, an amazing sense of humor. We liked old funny people, and um, we would get him on the phone to just talk to him or get their opinions about sure. stuff and do gags and whatnot. And it was his birthday, so we we sent a stripper over. And she like legit stripped and the in front drop, of him. The drops played. The, 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 the. Oh yeah, he was making all. Oh, so the, yeah, it just became a part of the show. Was dropping this old man's and I, sex noises. I think, uh, <laughs> I think I think Ralph Garman was over there with the with the microphone, putting it in his face. So while he's, he's so, oh, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, like oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh baby. And I just oh. wanted to be in my 90s still yeah. like, fuck, yeah, he, yeah I get this he was, shit. He was, rocking. <laughs> he was rocking it. We loved, we loved the wacky old people, the funny old people, yeah, for sure. Um, Don, Don uh, Zerteka says, what great show, guys. Uh, the Dungeon Podcast, he says the WWE. Oh, yeah, it. Charlotte's boobs popped out a few times last night. There, was, the, there was a handful of uh, black screens. Yeah, for sure. They kept, they kept camera cutting. They got to cut away? No, yeah. like a bunch of times. But they, they caught, there was. A couple times where there's just nothing you can do. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. Like honestly, yeah, with the way and with the way those chicks are dressed on yeah. there, the way what they dress them up in, and yeah. like I'm surprised it doesn't. They need like more, an audience but... cam. You know what I mean? Because you can always go to the audience. Sure, you know, just yeah. cut away to the audience. Yeah, but they've got enough cameras. Be. You know, they yeah. did it, but it, they cut away, came back. It's like, oh, it's back. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's that there it is. There's that titty again. <laughs> And D says there's only one West Coast. And that's right, that's D. That's right. There is only that's one right. West Coast only Pop Lock Podcast. Yeah. If anybody else comes, fucking man. I'm going to pop a lock I mean, all good, over good, him, good luck to you. Yeah. Choose a better name. <laughs> yeah, please. I've, a shorter I, one. I've been a personal fanatic of the, of the radio station for many years. Is what kind of led me to Steve. And I felt all those transitions and didn't know why until, like, now, like, fuck, that all makes sense. Like, That's so I, I saw the ripple. I felt Mario's the ripple. Mario's emotions were being tough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. I'm like, holy fuck, man. It just it took one thing to just clamp down on everything. One and of the best. Th- there, was al- there were already things, you know, like, so – Kevin Weatherly, who I I think is the most talented program director, and I didn't work at other radio stations. I only worked at K Rock, and I had I had thought about going to other radio stations because you can climb the ladder the ladder much quicker if you just like in any business, sure. you know, whether you're a car salesman or whatever, you bounce around, you go up the ladder. You're assistant salesman, then you're a salesman, then you're general sales manager, then you're the sales manager, then you're the you know what I mean. Then eventually you own one. Like some guys do that, and and radio is no different. Um, so I, but I don't have a lot of experience because I never had any desire to go work at another radio station. I thought I started at the biggest, most important station. Exactly. I did any, even if I make more money, I will be miserable Sure. and I'll just want to come back. I think, um, but Kevin Weatherly, who was the program director just was so incredibly talented as was Andy shown prior to him. But, but Kevin was just, I don't know. He was genius, just genius. He, he could, he could hit, hear hit songs from a mile away. Just just incredible whether it was hip-hop pop alternative rock he just knew the formula and um but he would say like we're it's not going to be one thing that does k-rock in it's going it will be death by a thousand Thousand cuts cuts, sure and and that is kind of really what happened It, it started though i think the biggest thing that that tidal wave didn't take out the town the janet jackson was the tidal wave but didn't take out all the city no you know it was a tsunami, but it, it was a tsunami. Yeah. But it was all the other things. It was all the other lawsuits and all the other things that that happened along the way. You but know? I think that and that then, was the start of it, like you said. Because then, it and just then all put the firings, on you. yeah, all the firings. You know, yeah. like it was it was bad. So no 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 state. I'm sure that this happened elsewhere in the country, but 
this station in particular, like it went from hero to zero so sure, fast. It was fast. I mean, fast to us, you know. But the mighty fall and, the harder and quickest. Sure, you know what I mean? but like, it was just like they kept letting people go and not being able to find their way. They just and they would they were firing people unceremoniously. People that and, and what was not understood at the time is the connection to people like you and to me, sure. like Lisa May, who was the traffic girl, to the radio station. Like that's she's the traffic girl. Wait a minute, you started listening in 1997 when you were in like grade school and then flash forward 18 years later, you're still listening to, you grew up with this woman always, yep. whether she was good, <clears throat> good or not. That was not that she was a member of your family, but when there's she was a member of your family enough, and then, and then all of a sudden she's shown <laughs> here comes the, Steve with his fucking, <laughs> no, because she, she wasn't good. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like you have, look at, well, no, no, well, them, I'm, I'm going to get there. Hold on a second. I, I know where you're going with this. So, like, they are – were you laughing at me now? No, he's laughing at me. <laughs> so they, they're, they're blowing people out. They, they, people that they had wanted – that, that should have moved on or whatever. We'll come to back, back to that later. But there, there, were, there were people that were beloved by the, by the audience. K-Rock had a really big audience. That all of a sudden just weren't there the next day, and they were like, "I just was walked out today." They'd go on social media and just say, "I think I was just wrong. walked. I was just walked to my car," and the audience was like, "What? A nuclear bomb just yeah. went off in my family!" Like I just every single morning driving to grade school with my parents, junior high, high school, and college, I listened to this person, and now they were just showing the door like f. You f this station, and with the f advent and with the social media coming around, too. that's yeah. what happened. Because before, like, if your your favorite DJ got fired off a radio station, you'd be like, "What the fuck happened?" Yeah, and you'd have no one to ask and nowhere to go. No, but, are you going to write a letter? What are you going to do? You know, to be able to go mail it in for them to be able to go on Twitter and immediately go, "Here's what happened." Yeah, I just got. Then it it allows people to be angry to be like, "What the fuck?" Like in real time, as yeah. opposed to finding and, out and, months later. Look, what look, happened. there's a lot of stuff that even today I can't talk about, like stuff that that that. I would love to share with people on how some of the things really went down and but we've all talked about it internally and I don't think it's ever going to come out I don't which sucks um, but I don't think that people will will tell the, the really what happened in, in in each different scenario and I can't be that guy it's I wasn't part of it like I wasn't in that decision making process I wasn't the firer I wasn't the fiery um I, so it'll be interesting to see if that stuff ever comes out. You know, nah. we're, we're, we're you know we're, it, it, it might because we're going to do a second round of interviews for this documentary. That's that what I was shot. about to ask you. What? So let's talk about the documentary. So one of the last things before I, I left the radio stations uh, uh, and went into back into my first love, automotive and car stuff, um, we shot a documentary, and how that happened was super weird. Not weird, but like I I knew that. I had always wanted to shoot a documentary about the radio station and I didn't think that I had the chops to do it. Yes. I'm, I'm okay with a video camera. I can edit, I can do all audio, all that stuff, but I, I'm not, a, I'm not a great storyteller as you guys at home can, can tell, right? <laughs> I'm not a great storyteller. I'm not gifted like Kevin or Bean or any of those guys. Like I'll do it. You know, I set that up. Like I just don't do that. So I was going to go find a storyteller. So I pitched this idea to Kevin Weatherly and to Gene Sandbloom and Lisa and the people above them and everyone. I said, let's shoot a documentary. 
And they're like, well, there's too much to tell, and we don't have the money. And there was 100 excuses not to do it. And I said, look, I'm, I, can I start? Can you just at least let me start and go find a producer or a director or someone? I'm like, okay. All right. Go ahead and start. So I went and got a couple guys who shot um, documentaries about Coachella. I got guy, music video directors, and we started taking some meetings. And they started – we probably did four or five meetings. Mm-hmm. Not as many as I would have liked. But we're in the process of doing meetings and warming – the powers that be up at the radio station, like this could actually be a thing. Um, and then I catch wind oh, that, uh, oh, so Adam Carolla, who you guys know now, has done a bunch of document- documentaries. So some about comedians, some a lot about cars, things mm-hmm. like that. At that time, um, he had Mike Shinoda, I think it was Mike Shinoda, on his podcast, The Adam Carolla Show. And I guess they were talking, waxing poetically, about K-Rock. That they both got their start there. You know, Adam Carolla was Mr. Burcham and a bunch of other characters, and, and he was Adam Carolla, the Love Line, and all that stuff, right? And um, and and Mike Shinoda were talking about it, and Adam's like, you know what, my next my next documentary is going to be about K Rock. So I hear about this. I don't listen to a show as much as I'd like to. I do enjoy. Um, I hear that he's going to shoot a documentary. So I I can't get a hold of Adam. I call Lynette, his wife, and she goes, Yeah, I think he's. I think that's the next thing he was going to do. You should talk to Nate, the director. I go, he's got a director already? <laughs> what? So I, I call Nate. I get his number, and I call Nate. And he goes, yeah, this is what we're planning. We're going to do a documentary. And, and he goes, blah, 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 blah. And I go, why, didn't, why, didn't, why did not you not reach out to K-Rock? You know, why don't you reach out? Do you know I'm, I'm working on this right now? And he goes, Adam doesn't want to be saddled with all the legal stuff. He's just going to shoot it. We're going to go rogue. We're going to do our thing. You know, the way do we do it? And because, it's, because the documentary falls under different laws, you can just – you can just do whatever you want. You don't have to get certain licenses and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, for music and things like that. But like you can use found footage and all right. that stuff, right? It just falls under a different set of guidelines um, legally. And that's the route they were going to go. And I thought, you're not going to get access. I'm telling Nate, you're not going to get access to any of like Weenie Rose footage. Like the time that Sublime played at the Weenie Rose. You know what I mean? Or um, or or any of these things, you know, when when Sublime blew up the, the studio with Jednet or whatever, they like all these crazy stories and things like that. The footage that we have, I go, you're not going to get any of that. And he goes, well, why? I go, because we're shooting a documentary, and that's where that footage is going to go. And he goes, well, you know, we're just going to have to do our own thing, blah blah blah. So I went to I went to Weatherly and I said, we got to put us, you know, this is not going to happen. We're going to put a stop to this. And so I told him you can't move forward, blah blah blah. That was a, that was a couple weeks before Acoustic Christmas. At Acoustic Christmas, the big concert at Christmas time, obviously. Um, Bean rolls up and he goes, "Hey, you're going to be uh, up there tomorrow." I go, "Up where?" And he goes, uh, "Adam Carolla's spot." I go, "What are you guys doing?" He goes, "We're our our interviews for the documentary." I said, "No, you're not." And I was like, "Did I don't tell them what to do?" But I'm like, that time I'm like, "No, you're not. We're working on the doc, and this is not happening." Went to Kevin Weatherly, and he goes, "Stop this." So. Just kabosh, right there. They didn't go the next day. Adam was upset. Nate was upset. And so at that point forward, um, I, I had more conversations with Adam and Nate. I said, let's do this together. I know you don't want to, but let's do this together. This will give you access to all the footage and the audio that we have, all the photographs, everything, the whole the whole shebang. I to give you all that stuff. And, um, you know, and K-Rock will, you know, be cast in the best possible light, and we'll have final say on it, you know. No, you won't cast any aspersions on the radio station, whatnot. And um, that took a year exactly. The next Acoustic Christmas is when we announced to the staff that we had done a deal with Adam Carolla's Chassis Media. 
And so immediately following that, we started shooting people. Coldplay, Green Day, U2, like all that stuff. And afterwards, I'll see if I have the uh, the sizzle reel, the eight minute sizzle reel, I'll play for you off the air. And, uh, Hell yeah! Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, and and I don't know if I'm breaking news here, but it's been financed. I might be spoiling <laughs> something. Uh, West Coast Pop Lock Podcast exclusive. Hell yeah! yeah. Uh, so, that's how you do it, though, man. You know what I'm saying? He takes down yeah. Goliath, bro. Yeah. Right. He says, "Fuck you! I'm not gonna take no. You ain't gonna do shit." And you would think, "Oh, it's Adam. Oh, he's gonna fucking bully you." But see, that's what that's because we talk a lot about that yeah. kind of stuff here on the show. I had spent no listen, and 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 and, and absolutely, and, and I have a, an incredible amount of respect for Adam. Like the the talent that guy possesses, no, and, for and, sure, and it's, the it's business not about acumen that. and all that. No, but when it came to this, I already I had invested my soul, not just time, my soul into this project, and I'm like, but no. not even that, you've invested and, and your I, soul into the station. Yeah, that's unfortunate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and so it's this is your baby that that becomes that comes out of that, right? Yeah. That hard work, all the time you put in, all the effort you put in, and what I'm trying to get at is that a lot of people stop following their dreams or stop you know, uh, trying to achieve that one thing they want, and you didn't allow it. Even though you knew this guy has already doing this, has money, has all this shit that you're... Dude, at that, would be, he already had, like, three Lamborghinis at that point. That's what I'm saying. So like, a lot of people get scared or they shy away from, like, continuing on. It's like, and, like oh, he got it. Fuck oh, it, he oh, got man. It. He's, he beat me to it. You're like, right. nah. Yeah. This is my that. fucking dream. I, I knew that we had the the right story to tell, and we had the right people and stuff. So anyway, we shot everyone. We have we shot two DJs that have since passed away. We shot general managers. We our story I starts. One. Our story I starts um, in like 1972. You know, way back before it was when it was AM, and then went FM, and like all. all it was on them. two right at the same time, AM and FM at the same time. I think correct? it. I don't know if it. I I don't think it was ever on the same like simulcast. No, but I don't. It, this is a story that we told. You know. I've heard, but I don't recall. Um, what do you mean? You do the documentary. You got, an <laughs> you got no answers for me? I'm not the director. <laughs> Nate, Nate's the director. And since then, it's funny that Nate and I are really good friends. And I'm hiring Nate to do a, shoot, to, to, to do a documentary about my boss today, like in my, in my automotive yeah, life. Yeah. And um, he does really amazing work. Um, so that's a whole other thing. But um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, that, that was a labor of love. And so I spent, I guess we worked on that for... Um, like two years, roughly, Lot, lots and lots of interviews. We interviewed every single DJ, general managers, sales managers. We had everyone in. You know, we had you know from uh, um, all the Loveline hosts that have been through there. Because people think that Loveline started with Adam Kroll and Doctor Drew. Not true. Not no. true. I mean, it was yeah. You had Ricky Rackman, and you had you know Striker, and you had uh, Cycle Mike, and before that it was and Poor Man started it. You know, yeah. Poor yeah. Man and. Um, and, uh, you had, you had a lot of characters, um, we had, yeah, I mean, it's just, we had everyone. So I, I'm really excited and I hope it translates. Like I'm, I'm really concerned that, cause I don't want to tell the story of a local radio station. Like I, I, I hope that it, the story is, is interesting to anyone. And, you know, if you live in Des Moines, Iowa, you're like, oh my God, like this is where sublime first was played, sure. you know, that type of thing. And or even not is... even just the music. If you know anything about the entertainment industry, just the people that have come out yeah. of K rock that started there or passed through there or other, the names that are out. Or even just inter- hung out. Like right. you go to a, a acoustic Christmas. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel and Carson Daly there. and Kennedy and Adam Carolla. And, you know, but even like the movie it's... stars that would come to acoustic, man, you're mm-hmm. going through the halls of, 
Acoustic Christmas when it was at it's the Gibson. Literally, it's everyone. Dude, it was everybody. All the big hitters, movie stars. Because there was backstage, and then there was backstage. Dude, Yeezy played. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then there was back backstage. So yeah. there was like all these different levels. And when you go through the back, you know, you see all these movies. Like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, we had enough draw to pull Kanye in his hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? To pull Shaq in the helicopter to come down and <laughs> land in the middle of the it was, show. It was neat. It was neat. So hopefully that'll translate. You know, And I It'll think there a... is no... Because we talk about this all the time. We talk about a local radio station. There is no... Nothing in Los Angeles is local. You're automatically well, that's, nationwide, worldwide. You know, like there yeah. is anything well, that's that's, something if that... If you're famous here, you're famous everywhere. That's something that I think also kind of undid... Not just K Rock, but a lot of radio stations is that they got syndicated. So yes. as like your Spotify's and Pandora's and all these things come along, right? We all listen to audio, and you know, a lot of kids listen to YouTube audio. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they'll listen to, you know, whatever the band is uh, or the artist, and they just they don't pay attention to the the video. They just listen to it, right? It's, YouTube is still the most streamed audio source, believe it or not, for for people. That's unbelievable. And then you know, and Spotify and Pandora's and all that stuff. And so, um, I forgot where I was going with this. Um, we, oh, oh, so, so as, as radio started to shrink and it was very, very slow, it wasn't like, oh crap, streaming audio is here and we're over. It wasn't like that. It was, the ratings were still there. We were still really, really strong. People were listening. And actually when, when Spotify and Pandora and all these biggies came to the forefront, they actually brought more ears to, to audio. They didn't actually take away. We thought it was going to like, there's only so many listeners. And if you listen on Pandora, you're not going to listen to FM or AM or whatever. That turned out to be not true in the beginning. It just brought more because it was more content, more more goodness, right? To to uh, and so that didn't last that long. Eventually, people started to started to bail, right? Yeah. Because as the Janet Jackson effect and people were going elsewhere for the content that they were looking for and different, more edgier music and, and, and radio stations were starting to play less edgy music and things like that, starting to, to take fewer chances, right? And then as those things start happening, the company started making less money. Well, what happens when you make less money? You can't afford people. Sure. So then you start letting people go. And when you let people go, you go, hey, wait a minute. We have this really successful morning show in L.A. Why don't we just put them on in Chicago and Wisconsin and Kansas and blah, blah, blah. And that's what you do. Well, then all of a sudden that L.A. morning show now can't talk about – they can't send Super Steve down on the corner and put him in in Compton over here and do do a live radio bit because that doesn't relate to a guy in Michigan. Right, but see, that's why so I then, think it's wrong. I so think they, it did. I think it does. Well, so they didn't. Yeah, no, so they're like, hey, you got it. You can't really do the local stuff anymore. Or the DJs felt like, oh, well, I'm going to be in 80 cities. Like, I'm not going to do local. That's stupid. I want to be like Entertainment Tonight. I want to be national. Well, they stopped doing the one thing that local radio can right. do, which is be local. Yeah, because guess what? You can't be if you're Pandora or Spotify. You can't be local. Absolutely. You're global, right? And they're trying now with their algorithms, and they're giving you you know specific playlists and some traffic reports and stuff like that with some of these streaming services. But, but it's true, it's not your neighborhood. It's not it's your not, people. No, no, it's not, and I think yeah. and, and you went you li- you grew up with a guy that went to your local bar like, hey, Kevin and me are going to be at Safari Bar in West Covina tonight. You're like, I'm going to go see those guys. You know what I mean? Lightning's going to be at the you know the shack in Anaheim. You know, you know, we're live play- bait. Yeah, live bait. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember going to like uh, live bait. when the I Lakers wife the live bait. Yeah. and got married in Santa Anita. Yeah, Dude, yeah. yeah. I'm a whole radio station. Yeah, but yeah, you know, the, the thing was we had that chillers you know, and redondo. So, so like that, that, that was my first 
Uh, Kevin and Bean Breakfast was that Chillers and Redondo, dude. Chillers, I was there. Wow. That show was dope, bro. <laughs> was yeah. Wait, who played? Was that Sugar Ray who played? Um, I don't, I don't even remember who played. We were so fucked up, bro. Yeah. We drank so much, man. I had a sombrero, and we what we did to it, we cut the top off and put a salsa uh, holder in it yeah. and chips. And I was just walking around. People were like, "Oh, oh dude, every hot chicken in the place was grabbing chips and salsa off his head." Uh, dude, I, we we left that place so faded because it was like. Hey, I'll have a big stick, dude, and they're hitting all the, you know. Dude, there were flavors. so many times, guys, that we set him up to win, like, with girls. Like, uh, so many times. We're like, we just made him the center of attention. Because, A, it was, it was funny. But, B, they were like, the girls would always think it's cute. They're yeah. like, oh. We put him in a costume, and he's like, this costume is screwed. Like, I, I'm embarrassed. But then the girls are wanting to touch it because he's wearing, like, a silky cape or something. Like, okay, like, it's cool. Yeah, they think it's rad. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, you know it's true. <laughs> Vegas was crazy when we'd go out there, man. That's how, we, that's how Johnny became... Uh, uh, our good friend and all is because he yeah. went on a Kevin and Bean singles party. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, those were nuts. Like yeah. when, yeah. The, and so we would used to take a bus to Vegas, yeah. and that's where the party was. When you get to Vegas, everyone's already faded and tired. Maybe and so when right. you get to cool. Barstow, everyone's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember my first one. I get to Barstow, and I'm in the restroom in the bus. It's Johnny's bus, uh, Johnny's Express, and I'm in the restroom and I'm holding onto the wall. I'm like, I am fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And then Kevin and Bean are like, Steve, come out. You're going to do, like, I, w- I used to bite beer cans and, and just fucking drink them, you know, bite the bottom and drink it. They're all, here, do it, bite uh-huh, it. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, fuck. I, I, was I mean, I it, but I was. We, had, we had three buses. So when we did it, when we first launched that, we had the Kevin, Be- the Kevin bus, the Bean bus, and the Lightning bus. Yes. And my bus had Brad on it. Oh. It had bald Brad. <laughs> bald Brad. Some of you know, some of you most probably don't know him, but he's a party animal. And he brought his friends, Paul he's and Jeff. And I don't know if it was them, but somebody brought a keg or two on my bus. And because I said, I'm going to bring a keg on my bus. And there was there was some alcohol in Kevin's a little bit and nothing in Bean's. Like Bean was going to have the square bus. Like he was sure. going to have the bus with no shenanigans. I would have been so mad. And oh. so I go there. I'd be but, the thing is, but the thing is, people <laughs> thought that was funny or he was being he was joking. He was like, no, no, we're just going to read. We're just going to read magazines all the way all to the Vegas. All the way to oh, yeah. <laughs> Vegas. And there were be- – and so we're going by. There's three buses, and we're like – our bus and Kevin's bus are BAing, you know, Bean's bus, hanging ass out the, out the windows and stuff. And it was so much fun. Chicks are flashing, like and, and, all the shit. And so you know. so when we get to Barstow or wherever we stop, Barstow, like the yeah. Lenwood exit or whatever, yeah. and uh, – Get some Del Taco. Everyone, yeah, the big, the big giant tacos <laughs> there, yeah, for you guys – who know what we're talking about? The uh, everyone piles out of the buses to take a, a pee break, and m- when we get back into my bus, there's no seats, there's no standing room. Beans is half empty, Kevin's is half empty. <laughs> Everyone's in there because they heard that that's where all the beer and the booze yeah. was in my bus. <laughs> and we just got annihilated. Paul and some girl got naked, and I don't mean kind of naked, like n- zero clothing, Amen. and they were just dancing. The radio's up. It was a it was a crazy party. So, like, the next three singles trips that we did to Vegas, we are like, I'm in Lightning's bus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. And, Not uh, only that, but even, like, uh, uh, Weenie Roast, Acoustic Christmas. Like, you look at those old lineups, bro. It's killers. Hit, it, oh, killers, killers from the top to the bottom. We were doing Coachella, all this festival shit that everyone goes to now. That shit was getting done years ago. Yeah. By, by, by you know, this station yeah, not, in LA. And back then, not now every radio station has a Christmas oh, yeah. show. But back then, they, there were some. The big ones did, but not, not but all. But not the way we did it. No. 
I, not even not even the weenie roast, man. No, I, I, I take no credit for that. I, no, that's no, no, but all I'm just saying, no, no, but I'm just saying, like in general, K Rock itself. Yeah. I mean, I know you know. I, mean, I had no nothing. We to just do got with that it. was great. That was that was something that those were magical moments. Where oh, we're like oh my god, we're, we're part of something really neat here. That's why I come back to what I'm what I was going to say was that. I, I, I go on and some people are like, oh, I miss the old K-Rock. I go, man, you weren't even there for the real K-Rock, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People that worked after or people that even when I was there at the it's, end. It's interesting because, uh, you know, when, when Bean left the station at whatever year that was, mm-hmm. 10 years or something like that. And then Kevin went on with Ali and there was a, a, kind of some people uh, who joined the show. And it's, it's, it's weird to hear them talk about – the morning show as if that was the cast that had always been. Yeah. Sure. That's and I'm like, yeah. you know the cast. And I'm sure that our parents feel the same way about television. They used to like, sure. you don't know the way that it used to be back <laughs> in the day. Like, I get it, right? And But it, it definitely was an era. That era was super unique But, but the difference then. was, too, is like, it's not even like, you know, like our parents, they were more wholesome. We were not. Yeah. It was crazy. It became more wholesome. It became sure. more corporate. like t- corporate. And, and yeah, they have no clue, man. You know what I'm saying? So I, I read some of the stuff that people put up, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook. I'm like, oh, they're young. And so we did, um, at some point, we started uh, what was called the B Team podcast. Yes. We weren't the A Team. That was Kevin and Bean. The B yeah. Team was you all. You started the, that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and it's funny because I brought, I said, we need to be into podcasting. And I want to tell the story because it was really started to, I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but it was pissing me off. That there was all these new listeners that didn't have any idea what Kevin and Bean and K Rock did in the nineties. Sure, and I would have loved to tell the story of the eighties because that I mean the, all the people that came that you know the the prior decade during you know that that scene all the synth pop and all that stuff and the DJs the the Richard Blades and Poor Man's and yeah. and all those people like that made that radio station they 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 handed over the keys of the castle you know what I mean and we did something different with it. Um, so I, I, I couldn't tell that story because I wasn't there then. I was a listener. But we, I wanted to tell the story of the 90s when Kevin and Bean were doing all the crazy stuff. And I wanted to expose the new listeners to it. And so we started the B-Team podcast, and we would go through old bits that Kevin and Bean had done in the 90s. And I had access to all that audio, and we started playing it and, and recapping it. So we'd go through a bit and talk about it. And it was, it was me and Omar and Dave, the King Mexico, mm-hmm. right? And Steve would pop in, and we had you know Psycho Mike occasionally. Kevin and Bean Beer made appearances. Mug. Beer Mug would come in, stuff like that cast of people all the people were affiliated with the morning show and um it it started to like open some people's eyes like oh crap like what happened to the show <laughs> sure. like what like, <laughs> so like, it was more of a detriment than even it, like yeah. it ended positive. up being like a not so at first we're like oh we're, it's, it's a trip down memory lane well no it's a repositioning sure. like like we're like you know i remember when you were thin yeah, right. You know, it's like remember when you were hot. I remember when you were hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? I remember before those boobs sagged. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yeah. they were sagging. It's like, oh, what the fuck, man? And so we, and th- that wasn't our mission. My mission was just to like, hey, because I had put in a lot of sweat equity over the '90s and early 2000s, and I'm like, I just want to share this. I yeah. think there's so many amazing Kevin and Bean refrigerator where they'd go to some game show host house and like go in his refrigerator and see what's in the refrigerator you know like all these things that you see on youtube today that was done decades ago by yep. by not just kevin and bean but other morning show talent you know and um we just like all those late night letterman type bits we were doing you know the stuff the kids are seeing on, yeah. on youtube right i mean like mr beast and all that stuff and so um it's just the b team restarted shining light on that on that era right and then uh the guys after i left the station they they kept it up for some time another yeah. 10 20 episodes or whatever um 
They left the station. And they left. So they're janky town now. Omar's still there. Yeah. Uh, But uh, Dave, the king of Mexico, is, is, yep, he he left with the last version of the Kevin and Bean show. They all got got blown out. And then, um, yeah, so now I feel like everyone's doing podcasts. Yeah, that's why you're here yeah. <laughs> on the West Coast Pop Lock Podcast, the number one live podcast. Whether it's a Monday, whether it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Every Thursday, it matter. whatever day look I want to take over, Here I come, come for that day. Have we come lost everyone? Are you no, guys still listening? People, sure. yeah. Yeah. people are still coming through. Yeah. Are they really? Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Wow. It's the West Coast, bro. Right? Yeah. People <laughs> listen to this shit no matter what. I wish man. I could do the W thing. I can never like. I'm like I'm so. I can't. I can't do it. Too white. Too white. Yeah, too white. Too white. Hey, hey, do you have any questions, Mario? You've been pretty silent for a, for a guy that was looking forward to the show. I am looking forward. How about this? I, look, this has been a this has been a treat. Just, I mean, obviously. Now, now why do you you get the most expensive mic in the house, but it's the most muffled? Uh, because I do get it really. Loud. Oh, there it's better now. There you yeah, go. It's him. Really it's loud. him, yeah. not the it's microphone. Uh, I'm all over the place. Uh, yeah, Mario's high as fuck. Zach Rabbit Lopez, yeah, exactly. you're right. Uh, I have a lot of K Rock memorabilia. I've been collecting. I went to almost all the signings, all the Best Buy things. Were you, I, were you at the Depeche Mode riot? Uh, that was the one in, in Wilshire. Yeah, in the Wilshire district on uh, oh no, by Beverly Center. Was that the one where they took over the whole entire street? Yes. Yes, I was there. No, you know what his number one story is, Oh, I was about is, to say this one, so his get him. His number one <laughs> story. Oh, you gotta, it's a problem if you guys already know the story. No, the number one story he has is when uh, <laughs> Morrissey came to K-Rock, <laughs> and he was outside signing things for the little crowd that had shown up to the station right there on, uh, on uh, Fairfax. The newer station. Oh, when he was standing at the fence line right there. We had yes. the automatic gate. Were you kicked out before no. you could get something signed? No. He was the next guy to get something signed. I was standing right there. And yeah. Oso said, stop. Came and gave him the fuck. Oh, dude. And, 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 and Oso's like 10 feet tall. Like, yeah. yeah. And at that time, he was like Oso. almost 500 pounds. That was huge. That was a big dude. All tatted down. He's like, it's over. And I was like, no. My one, the one thing he wanted in life. Was that? And we've had Oso in here before. Yeah. We had Oso in here. Oh, nice, really. Yeah, we had him just like, talking like yeah. old school shit. Hasn't like, he lost like a million pounds? Oh yeah. man, yeah, dude, slim down. He went for like four something to like what? What are you also like one eighty? I know you're listening to the show, bro. Yeah. Of course, the number one live podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, he's about like one eighty something now. Okay, yeah, I talk, I've seen him. We've There's some out. people that I got to catch up to. You know, they're they're they're, they're people that I still stay in touch with. You know, I frequently. Uh, I still talk to Kevin. Uh, I was out to dinner with him less than a month ago. Um, I talked to Bean over WhatsApp. Uh, not as much as I'd like, but, you know, yeah. I, I would have liked and I And I, I've talked about this before that I really I, I totally screwed up. Like I should have maintained my relationship with Jimmy Kimmel a little better when he went to the man show. Um, he was yet he, he was doing man show and when Ben signs money and K-Rock. And then eventually he just went all like. I think when he went into Jimmy Kimmel Live, when he started that, he was so busy, and I was so – I had just been, like, promoted to the like, executive producer, and I was just so all in. I just didn't pay enough attention to where his stardom was going, mm-hmm. and and we maintained friendship, and whenever I'd call and ask, like, hey, I want to come down and see the show, whatever, it was like, no problem. But then he just – he our trajectories diverged, and, and I'm – that's what – like, you know, like – I have no regrets. You know, people lie to you right to your face. Yeah. Like, I have no regrets. No, I have, I have regret. I have regret that I didn't stay tighter with Jimmy. Because sure. Jimmy, um, you know, I, people have very strong opinions today about him because of his politics. Uh, but I think, that, I mean, Jimmy has the biggest heart of anyone I've ever met in my life, you know. And that's, we could do a podcast just about Jimmy and his generosity. He's a rad dude. He's a rad dude. Um, but I talked to people like Nicole, who's still there, and Striker, and yeah. Dave the King of Mexico, and, and a bunch of people. Um 
you know, I still like we spent so much time there. You yeah. know, I had over I, more than half of my adult life was spent there. You know, twenty six years. Yeah, it was my so, dream to be on there, man. I mean, uh, I I had told my one of my friends uh, that I was going to be on K Rock when I was in high school. And we were walking home, and he's like, yeah, fuck you, bro. You ain't going to be on K-Rock. Well, shut up. Uh, and then yeah. when I got on, uh, as, I, as, I, as I was answering phone calls, um, I was like, what's well, K-Rock? Who's this? And he's like, hey, bro, it's fucking Cheeto, bro. You're fucking on K-Rock, bro. Holy shit. And I was like, yo, dog, I told you, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love it. And, and it's just crazy. Like, I didn't, like, you mentioned. Stars aligned. Oh, you, you, like you mentioned earlier, like, when you're in it, you don't really realize what's what's really going on, you know. You can't. You no. just. It doesn't matter if you're if you're digging ditches, street, you know, sweeping streets, or you're you're on the radio. You just are doing your job. Yeah, yeah. And it's not until like you're. It's very rare when you can be somewhere and 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 and, and have that epiphany. Like, oh my god, like I, you know, I've I've done something. You well, know, I'm going to tell you where I've contrib- like, I felt like what I felt we were doing was contributing to like LA culture. You know, and and music culture and stuff like that. I didn't go like, oh, Lightning's doing some stuff. I never was never about me. Well, here's two it was things. Never like, about I'm me. It was always like things. what we were doing as a as a radio station yeah. and as a morning show and pushing the edge. Two things. One, when I first started there and I was doing my first signing, it was the calendar signing, and this kid goes, "Hey, can I get your autograph, Super Steve?" I was like, "Ah, oh, man, you don't want my autograph, bro." And you were right there. You're like, Steve, this guy wakes up to you every day. He doesn't see you like we see you. He sees you totally different. You need to give this kid an autograph because he listens to you every single day, and it's a totally different relationship that he has with you. And I was like, "Fuck!" I didn't, I didn't see it that way. You know what I mean? And so, well, I you were s- being self-deprecating. You're like, "I'm just a dude." No, you know no, I mean? for I'm sure, hundred percent. I'm a dude from Buena Park. Like, why? I, you don't, I don't deserve your attention. You were feeling but, that way, yeah, right? No, for sure. But and you, I felt like that a lot. Like, you don't, I, I don't deserve your your attention. Like, I'm just doing a job. And it just happens to be, you know, that's what you always hear stars, you know, people on TV, like, I'm just doing a job. They literally just are doing yeah. a job. And some of them shouldn't be famous. They should just be <laughs> actors and not famous. Right? Or on the radio and not famous. Or on the radio and not famous. Yeah. But you, you did say that. And that to me was like, fuck, man. And that helped me out to, to you know, feel more comfortable in, my, in, in the position that I was in. And then the, ne- the next time I really felt it and really realized what had gone on in my life was here on this podcast. I was talking to Johnny. It was one of our first, first podcasts. And I'm like. Because Johnny's doing stand-up, and I'm like, hey, bro, you're doing the hardest thing in the fucking world. What gives you that, that, that like, sort of, like, momentum to keep moving, keep doing it, keep pushing? He goes, I know someone that did the impossible. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, you, bro. You did the impossible, so therefore I know it's possible. And I was like, fuck. And I sat back. Oh, do you have like, Do you have that drop that goes? Oh, <laughs> well, now we will. That recording, but it was, but it was so crazy because that's when I really sat down. I was like, fuck, dude. I lived my dream, man. I really did. And thanks to you. Well, me you're and still you, living your dream, dude. No, this still, is a we're show. still. Yeah, no. Uh, by the way, but slow clap for this studio oh, and you yeah, guys right yeah. here. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. But I just—it all comes back around, and what I'm trying to get at is I, I thank you for taking a chance, seeing me, and and just really thinking like, fuck it, we can make something out of this guy. Yeah. I appreciate it because you helped my dream to come true. Hell yeah, that's oh, what we do here, right? Hell yeah, that's what goes on here. And this became this is part of the dream still, and yeah. this is this is because of you as well, still. Yeah. So everything that everything that happened from that moment till the day I die. 
you're, you're, you're intertwined into that. That's right. So wow. thank you very much. I appreciate, I appreciate that. that. Yeah. Oh. And it's the West Coast Pop Lock Podcast, the number one live podcast. You're not supposed to bang on the table. You Dude. can hear that. Yeah. <laughs> you're so fired up right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is, man. I can, I can feel you know, that, that energy. And, and, and Lightning, thank you for coming out, my man. Yeah. Um, you know. If you need shit. truck parts or truck accessories, I got you covered. Hell, yeah, <laughs> man. But you know, we, we, we're going to have to do a part two. I'm about to say, I'm like, we're done already? It's only been an hour and a half. I can keep going. Are you serious? Have we gone an hour and a half? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did we lose everyone? People are still on. People are still hanging out with us. They're still hanging out with us today and on every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, local music experience, 8 a.m., 4 p.m. Download that free app. It's a bunch of cool shit, plus us. So. Yeah, yeah, man. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we got some cool stuff coming up, too, uh, pretty soon. We're going to be doing, I think, a live April 23rd yep. at um, Battery, I know uh, Border X Brewery in Battery. There it is. There you what go. Are you, where, where, what? What are we doing? Yeah, we're doing a live uh, at Border X and... Bell. Border X Brewery in Bell. Okay, well, that's show. a lot of bees. That's yeah, a lot of bees. I'm gonna fuck that up. With me, grito. You know. So I mean, you guys do this thing live, like in front of a, an audience? We're gonna yeah. do it live that day. We've done it. We have too. Yeah. That's yeah. some pressure. Yeah, you know. Nah, we, we have yeah. fun. That's man. a Mario right there. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Also, uh, tomorrow night, if anybody's around Hawthorne at a, uh, at flights in Hawthorne, I'll be doing stand up tomorrow. What's the date tomorrow? Tomorrow's the fifth. Tuesday the fifth. Anybody's watching? What time? Uh, show starts at 9.15. 9.15. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting time to start. That's very specific. 9.15. <laughs> 9.15. 9.15 in 30 well, like seconds. They do like a hard 9.15 as opposed to a soft 9 o'clock. Okay. You don't tell everybody so- at 9 and doesn't start till 9.15. It's like, no, we start at 9.15. So. Yeah, man. So I'm telling you, Light, thank you very much for, for well, making for this me. kid's dream come true, my man. Yeah. And uh, we will definitely have you back in. Lightning. Thank you ah, so much. Thank you, guys. Jake Taylors, thank you very much. It's the West Coast Pop Lock Podcast coming to you live every Tuesday. Today's a Monday. Plus Monday sometimes. Hell yeah. The The number one live show in the world, West Coast Pop Lock Podcast. Coming to you from Big Studios in Compton, California. Featuring radio personality Super Steve Flores. Comedian extraordinaire, that dude Johnny C. And Mr. I'll do anything for a buck, Mario 81. So throw your dubs in the air and let's get ready to pop up.